podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchups. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and as always, I am joined by my lovely, lovely, long-haired co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on? Yeah, not much. I'm still a hippie. It's true. You can ask my dad uh, to confirm it. I, uh, I, I've, as, as you probably know, I've spent most of the day on the Twitter, and uh, it seems like people are getting a little bit angry. And I think, I think you've you've seen this yourself about uh, fantasy analysts, people who are actually paid to analyze what happens on Sundays. <laughs> Having any opinion yes. about what happened on the first Sunday of, of and, and the first Sunday of the year where we did not have preseason. This is the first time we get any kind of feedback. Yes. yes. You know, and 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 so to have opinions now is apparently an overreaction. I mean, just just to say, you know, like you have on Twitter, just to say this happened on, on you know, on Sunday and for people to lash out and say, so what? <laughs> Yeah. So like I I get what I get, what I think I get most irritated at uh, in general uh, is when I'm misinterpreted, misrepresented, all that kind of stuff. Like whether it's by someone on Twitter or someone I'm having a conversation with, whatever, like that to me is the most irritated because like I'm putting my, I'll put myself out there. And if I'm me and you're, you're saying like, you got, you know, you got Derrick Henry wrong last year. Uh That's fine. Right. I got Derrick Henry wrong last year. But then if you say something like you didn't like this player who you actually liked, that that's that's <laughs> harder for me to like comp- I get actually angry at that. And, right. and this, the same thing goes when I go on, you know, Sunday nights, I'm looking at data and looking at what happened, you know, that day uh, and I'm, I'm sending tweets out and I send tweets with data and information not to like have some strong opinion. I'm, I'm out here just sharing information. So a good example of that is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had like 41, 42% of Cleveland's running back rushes in in week one, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And I tweeted that out because last year, his lowest in one game, his lowest running back share was like 62%. Mm -hmm. So it was significantly lower. And all these people started coming at me being like, uh, well, well, Nick Chubb was in a negative game script. What do you expect? You know, Kareem Hunt uh, is the pass catching back in that offense. And I'm like, Guys, I get it. This this statistic needs context. I'm right. simply letting you guys know that he had the lowest running back rush share that he's seen in two years. And that might be significant if you dig into it a little bit more because Kevin Stefanski is now the, the coach there, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same thing with Austin Eckler. I say Austin Eckler's fantasy stock is trending down, mm-hmm. right? He had one target in that game against Cincinnati. He had 19 carries, but targets are twice as valuable, if not more, in PPR leagues than carries are. And I sent a tweet out that said, Austin Eckler's stock is dropping. Uh, you know, this is not a good sign because literally this is the first game in Austin Eckler's career where he didn't play with Phillip Rivers. And then all the while we see Phillip Rivers target his running backs yeah. a thousand times against Jacksonville. Maybe Phillip Rivers has something to do with this, you guys. So like, 
that, that's the kind of stuff. And then people get irritated and they're like, you're just overreacting to week one. No, yeah. I'm taking information and I am yeah. reacting to week one. Yeah, it, there has to be a reaction because, you know, this is not baseball. You know, you know, it's not like we, we just witnessed opening day and we're saying, you know, here's the adjustments we have to make. Here's the things that we didn't see coming. We're talking about a 16 game season where we didn't have a preseason, which is usually the time where we can evaluate how players are being used or are likely to be used. We didn't have that. So so now I think that it has to be kind of a massive adjustment in and in, in how we think of these players. And like the Chubb thing, that should be extremely concerning to anybody who drafted Nick Chubb in the first round. The fact that he what would he forty one percent? Yeah, well, snaps? yeah, and the yeah. other thing, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, he he's they're not going to get blown out every week, probably, but they're <laughs> probably. not going to be good, right? And so that that matters. That that snap count matters. Yeah, and the other thing too with Chubb, if you dig into the to how they utilize their backs, uh, both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had six carries in the first half. It yeah. wasn't a Nick Chubb dominated the first yes. half half looks. Uh, whenever the game was close or whenever, you know, it wasn't completely blowout mode and they could still run the ball a little bit. Uh, it was, it was split throughout that game. And that, that was my biggest fear with Nick Chubb entering the season. Maybe it's confirming my priors a little bit. Maybe that's, maybe that's happening, but, but at the same, yeah, that's fine. But at the same time, like this is concerning when you have a very talented running back sharing that backfield with him. Yeah. You can't even cherry pick the Chubb stuff if you wanted to like if a if a Chubb drafter wanted to say uh, you know uh, Chubb had 14 carries in the first half uh, and and Hunt had three so I feel I feel okay about that no 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 you yeah, can't cherry pick it's yeah. it's all it's all bad for for Nick Chubb and, and I'm not and you know that's the other thing too it's the same thing with Austin Eckler I'm not saying hey guys get rid of them ASAP I would consider trading both of them ASAP but I, I'm not saying that you automatically do that especially Austin Eckler gets Kansas City and Carolina the next two weeks if he doesn't perform then th- mm. this is the other thing like you can use schedule to to trade away a player right where people are going to say don't get rid of Austin Eckler yet because he gets these good matchups which mm-hmm. I would agree Austin Eckler should go nuts against Kansas City and against Carolina. I'm not going to disagree with you, but we're also playing a probability-based game. What happens if Austin Eckler doesn't do anything in these very good matchups? All the, What if Austin Eckler... Uh, by, by the way, it's impossible for me to not say... I think we talked about this before. Impossible for me to not say the person's full name when I'm talking about them on a podcast. I, I only... <laughs> I, it's it's unbelievable. It, I have to say Austin Eckler every single it, time I it's talk like, about him. You're, you're like the NFL announcers who have to say the National Football League. <laughs> yes. where, you know, it, when, when you're talking about elite quarterbacks in the National Football League, you're talking about, you know, I mean, it's the same thing over and over. Maybe maybe it's your brain uh, trying to, like, buy time while it you is. think about. Yeah. It, it absolutely is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, with, with Eckler... If Eckler does not perform the next two weeks, if Eckler doesn't hit a double-digit percent target share against Kansas City, then all of a sudden you went from, you know, there's a lot of people right now who are trading, who are open to trading Austin Eckler for Jonathan Taylor. And who would, who would, who were, who would be able to, people were getting rid of Jonathan Taylor for Austin Eckler. That was someone in my mentions talking about mm-hmm. that today. If you're getting Jonathan Taylor for Austin Eckler right now, <laughs> You do that all day long, right? Because right. there is a chance there's still a, this is not this is not necessarily Austin Eckler's low. The, it, he played Cincinnati, you guys. Yeah. Like, what do you what do what do you like? It, it could get better. Don't get me wrong; it should get better. 
but that doesn't mean that it's going to get better no matter what. I yeah, I'm I'm very bearish on on Eckler, and you didn't say his first name, so I actually don't know which Eckler you're talking about. Good point. Um, but Good I'll point. I'll assume it's Austin. I'll assume. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, I mean you you drafted him because you thought that he would continue to see a ton of targets, and like you said, that's very valuable in PPR leagues. If he doesn't have that, even if he's getting a good amount of rushes, uh, you know, it it just takes the shine off of what you thought, you know, you were getting. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if, if you're if you're drafting a player who is not going to see a lot of volume through the air and he's going to be a, someone that you're seeing a lot of volume on the ground, then you need that player to be the goal line guy. Yeah, and right. what we saw in week one is that Joshua Kelly is the goal line guy. So what I'm saying is I, I'm reacting to the information that we have. I'm not saying absolutely like if this was an eight game sample, then yes, obviously selling Austin Eckler and not wanting Austin Eckler on your team would be would be more valid. But once you get eight weeks into the season, you're not getting any value from Austin Eckler if you trade him away. So the, this is the this is the difference between COVID season and non-COVID season is that we may have and probably would have seen the Chargers run Josh Kelly with the first team at the goal line, and uh, and and think to ourselves, oh, okay, like we have to downgrade that part of what we thought Eckler was going to do. We didn't we didn't get that, and and you know reporters, you know because these uh nfl coaches are are mini despots they uh you know the, the reporters were not allowed to report on what they were seeing on the field except to say that player x looked good uh they weren't allowed to, to report on who was getting touches where and 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 formations and different plays so we didn't have that now we have it now we have to make decisions yeah like literally our job is to react yeah it's literally our job this is not a this is it's quite literally what we're supposed to do and so like you know what's funny is on my mailbag show before week one i know we're kind of going long with this but uh, on my mailbag show someone asked me what game i was anticipating most in week one on sunday and it i my answer was the Bengals chargers game Mm -hmm. and the reason for that was number one i wanted to see joe burrow Mm because joe burrow is really fun it's right yeah He's a very fun quarterback, and I just want them to run like no huddle all the time. I yes. want every team to just run no huddle. <laughs> but anyway, so I wanted to watch Joe Burrow, but then I also said that game because I wanted to see what Austin Eckler's usage was going to look like and with, with a completely different scheme, with a new quarterback under center, and with Joshua Kelly. And if Austin Eckler was go- – I keep saying Austin. And if, and if Eckler was going to be the goal line guy. And what we saw in our small sample is that he's not. I, I think that – We'll see some sort of split at the goal line. That's very possible moving forward. But Joshua Kelly is a grown-ass man. He is. Yeah, that he, is confirmed. He he is awesome. He so is. I, I'm not that optimistic that all of a sudden Eckler, who wasn't even that big of a goal line guy last year, uh, that he's all of a, all of a sudden going to see that role. And then on top of that, we already have Anthony Lynn coming out saying that this scheme doesn't really favor checkdowns to the running back position because Tyrod's mobile. And so it's 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 a mess, and I think that we need to react to that. Like again, I think Eckler is fine as an RB two type right now. That's that's fine. I I you know he's he's still getting some volume. I'm just saying that top five ceiling that that people were draft. You don't draft a guy in the second round just to get an RB two just to get RB two production. Mm-hmm. You get him because you see a ceiling in him, right? It's mm-hmm. why like I have a lot of Josh Jacobs this year because I saw that. What if he got more targets? Like, what if that happened? Then all of a sudden, boom, you get someone who's very, very valuable in fantasy. Like in week one. Yeah, yeah, like in week one. (laughs) So 
regardless, it's my rant. I needed to get that off my chest because no, it's been no. it's been tilting me the last four years. I, I I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, it wasn't even opinionated, and people were were mad. Burrow, by the way, I think he could you know inherit kind of the the DGAF crown a little bit. It's, yeah. he has a little DGAF about him. He he, he takes off. Uh, you know, sometimes on a on a look, what looks like a, a draw play that he called or something that, uh, or one one read and run. Uh, lots of lots of lots of good stuff, good fantasy stuff from him in week one. Yeah, he he's pretty fun. Uh, I'm excited for him uh, from a from a fantasy standpoint moving forward because we also saw his mobility, which you know his his sneaky right. athleticism, aka he's white and can run. At, at right. The oh, I love I love when announcers like look. He's a hard worker, but he's also fast. Yeah, like, right. Don't please don't say hard work. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, so let's look at what happened last week. It was probably one of our worst week ones that we've had in some time. Uh, on defense, we had Tennessee and Detroit. They scored three and one points, which we did. We did warn the people that it was a bad defensive streaming week, so I'm not that upset about that. Um, at quarterback, uh, the worst quarterback of the week was Tyrod Taylor, who is a he. He's he's become a disaster. Yeah. He's 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 not good anymore. No, no, it's it's not. Also, that Chargers offense is just boring as hell. Yeah, I mean they're gonna they're like that game the way that ended and the way that went. That is exactly what Anthony Lynn wants. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, they exactly. want they want to be boring. They want it's it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so Tyron only scored nine points. That was our worst streamer. Uh, Philip Rivers scored fifteen. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was actually the best streamer, but he was a deeper play. He scored 24, really came through towards the end of that game. He was kind of a disaster to start. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Derek Carr in that game, uh, you know, we, we, we were bullish on that game being higher scoring. Derek Carr could have had a good day. It's just the way that touchdowns went, right? So, so that's, that's the nature of the beast. I, the, the process for Derek Carr, absolutely there. If a team is going to score 34 points, you take that quarterback all day long. Absolutely. So Derek Carr scores 14 and Teddy scores 19. Um, not horrific, but definitely not what you want out of a streamer. Uh, and then at tight end, tight end was actually not horrific because uh, the king himself, Logan Thomas. That's right. 13.7 PPR points. Uh, Irv Smith is droppable now. He had 2.1 points. He didn't. I, I wanted to see if he would play more than Kyle Rudolph, and it was basically the same thing as last year. Um, Tyler, or Tyler Eifert had 1.8 points. Uh, Jack Doyle had 7.9 and then Denny with the call of the week, I would say <laughs> Jordan Akins, 11.9 fantasy points. I'm good. I'm good at, at week one streaming tight ends. I, I, I have you are that. Julius Thomas, man. You, I, I will never forget yeah, the Julius Thomas. Right. I have that going for me it is, is I, I can, I can get a week one streaming tight end after that. It's so, so, but I, I, I can get that, that week one play by the way, Logan Thomas. So I work for Roto World. I'm not sure if I mentioned that, but the, but I my game to watch in the early games was the Philly Washington game, and uh, I saw that uh, Thomas had one on one coverage with a guy who was six inches shorter at the goal line. Uh, easy touchdown, and freaking Haskins threw it 15 yards over his head, yeah. and this was late in the game, so it could have been a monster performance from Logan Thomas. I'm telling you guys, he's this year's Darren Waller. This yeah. I, I said it before the season. He's this year's Darren Waller. It just makes too much sense. Um, sure. All right, Denny, let's move on to week two and hopefully get some better results. Yes. I'll start things off at the – let's start with defense. Okay. Uh, I will start with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they play Cincinnati this week. Uh, if you look at what the Bengals did in week one – now, look, they, they faced a good front in, in the Chargers. Um, but the Bengals did allow a top-half sack rate – 
uh, in week one. And then the Browns, they pressured Lamar Jackson sort of at an average rate in week one. Um, but if you look at, you know, what we're looking at is, is what um, the books are saying. Vandal Sportsbook has Cleveland as a five and a half point favorite right now, uh, a fairly low over under of, of 44 and a half. Um, so I, I don't mind the Browns in this game. I think I wouldn't be shocked that the Browns bounce back a little bit after that horrific performance against Baltimore. God, they were just so bad. I one beat writer said that they just look completely unprepared. You know, and, and I mean, maybe that's just as, you know, speaks to how good the Ravens are. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it is it was it was a tough matchup, but there were there were some because I, I rewatched the games and there were some throws that Baker made that were just like, what are you doing? Like his mechanics are horrific, too. Oh, there was a screenshot on my timeline. Maybe Hayden Winks posted it where he you know and we we're going to talk about film on this show as we as we always yeah always um where baker mayfield is like eight yards behind the line of scrimmage he's come like wide open to his target and and falling backwards and there's nobody around him there's not one defender around him yeah he's amazing yeah he his his mechanics and his footwork are just not great i I gotta work with that guy uh by the way these streaming picks are posted uh, early on tuesdays uh, as early as, as, as we can manage uh, on our Patreon page. Yeah. So if you want early access to that, you can sign up to be a patron. Also, we uh, have a list of quarterbacks, tight ends, and defenses that we start over these streamers. Yes, um, and we, so, also will up, we also update throughout the that's week. That's right. That's right. And injuries or whatnot. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 the list of players will start over these streamers seems to be very helpful to patrons. So yeah. if you want to get early access, sign up. All right. So my first defense is the Cardinals defense at home against Washington, the football team. Uh, did you see Kevin Durant's tweet, which just said the football team? No, I did not. No. <laughs> That's your boy, though, right? You guys you guys went to high school together, right? Five years apart. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm old. Sure, man. Sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah. He went to my, my high school. He, 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 tell, he tells everyone, I went to Danny Carter's high That's school. That's what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, living the stream. He says this to Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I know they play together because I'm an NBA thought. Yeah, this is an NBA. This is, we have an NBA tout on the show now. So. That's right. Um, so the Cardinals are at home six and a half point favorites. Uh, Dwayne Haskins has a career 58% completion rate, which is not good, but it's exactly what we're looking for in this in this situation. If Washington obviously is forced to into a pass-heavy script, the Cards should have the opportunity for turnovers. And Arizona was all over Jimmy G. In week one, uh, 8.4% sack rate in that game. That was the fifth highest of the week. And Arizona is out there on 96% of waiver wires. Nice. Do you have the? You have another defense, don't you? Oh, I do. Sorry. It was below my... Okay. Yes. Uh, and the Packers defense. So I, I actually like the... I don't know about you, but I like the Cardinals more than the Packers this week. Yeah, I think I do too because the matchup. But the Packers, I think, are at least like a stable enough play. Right. Yeah. So Packers are at home. Uh, five and a half point home favorites against Detroit. I don't know how it's not more. Also, how are the Browns six point favorites? Who are the Browns to be six point favorites over anyone? Yeah, no, it's true. I I actually think that, but I I also feel like it's like a trap. Uh, be, be, because it's yeah. a thir- it's the Thursday game, and I those things just go. The home team is usually. Yeah. Usually the ones that that perform well. I mean, home quarterbacks usually do a lot better on Thursday night games. I, I right. this is semi anecdotal, but I, I've se- I've sort of looked at the data. I haven't done like a strong strong study on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I 
I just feel like it's one of those like everyone's on the Bengals yeah, and then the Browns right. just end up winning. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I I, I am a fish after all. They, uh, so Packers are available in 88% of leagues. I think, you know, if Galladay is out, I think that's a big, yeah. you know, a, a big minus for Detroit and a big plus for the, the Packers defense. Uh, I, I would feel more comfortable with the Cardinals because I feel like they come in with a slightly uh, higher floor. Uh, but mostly, uh, let's you know, pray for Antonio Gibson's season against against the Cardinals. I think it's coming. I think it's coming. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, all right, I will go to quarterback now. Let's start with Ryan Tannehill. He's available, I think, in like 60-ish percent of leagues. Um, but Tennessee, actually in week one, Denny, they mm-hmm. ranked towards the, the, the top of the league in, in pace and, and plays run. They had 78 plays that they ran, whereas last year they were towards wow. the bottom of the league and the number of plays run. By the way, Derrick Henry ran like 22 routes on Monday night. So that is something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. Like Derrick Henry might be a decent buy low right now, even though it's like not really buying super super low. But yeah. uh, it's kind of intriguing. Uh, but Tannehill threw the ball 44 times on Monday night. That was higher than any other regular season game in 2019. Um, and, and I think that this is good news for Tannehill in this passing offense because uh, this higher pass to rush ratio would mean that there's a higher likelihood that the touchdowns are converted via the air mm-hmm. than via the ground. That's that's really what we're looking for in getting these passing touchdowns. They're at home against Jacksonville this week. They have the fifth highest implied team total on the slate. I think Derrick Henry is going to probably go nuts, but I am still intrigued by by Ryan Tannehill. It could end up being – my fear is that we get another like Derek Carr type performance like mm-hmm. last week, um, but I still think that – you know. Like I said, if one of those touchdowns is is a pass instead of a rush, Derek Carr is an 18-point play, and that's totally fine. So right. I think that's what we're looking at with with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, by the way, Carr on third and goal threw it to Jason Witten at the one. Yeah. And uh, I've never been more mad about anything in my life. So dumb. Just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. All right. I have Phillip Rivers. Uh, he's still out there on 72% of waiver wires, although I'm sure he was drafted in the middle rounds in your league. Um, he plays the Vikings. We all saw the Vikings get absolutely wrecked, as my son would say, uh, by the Packers passing attack last week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers completed 73% of his passes for 8.3 yards per attempt. That was the fifth highest uh, of week one. So Rivers last week threw for 363 yards and was not sacked a single time in 40-plus dropbacks. I, I think that that's you know, not insignificant uh, because – that was an issue in, in LA was that he was just yeah. always on his ass. Sorry to the kids. Um, uh, and, and here's, and here's another bonus here. Minnesota did not sack Rogers once and hardly ever pressured him. So, you know, he should have a, a clean pocket in which to operate talking about rivers. Uh, the Colts come into this one with a 25.25 point implied total. This is seventh highest of the week. Uh, rivers was actually last week, even though he put up a, I think a, a decent, you know, fantasy line, he, he actually was minus three point eight fantasy points over expectation, which I, th- I think it maybe is encouraging since he still posted that usable line against Jacksonville. Um, so I, I think you can st- stick with Rivers if you're like in a deep league and you played him last week and you don't want to burn. Are we kind of calling it Fab or Fab? Fab. It's now Fab, yes. We're, yes, we're, we're, we're calling. So if you don't want to burn some uh, Fab on another quarterback, I think Rivers is is a really solid play. Again, high floor play. Yeah. Uh, another quarterback you can go to is Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Vikings had like three pass attempts in the first half against against uh, the the Packers, which 
Look, th- this is what the Vikings are, unfortunately. Yeah. They they had the second lowest neutral script ratio in week one. Actually, the only team that was more run-heavy in neutral game scripts in week one was Tampa Bay, oddly enough. Wow. Which doesn't make any sense either because Tampa Bay did not have a good matchup for, for running the football. Um, but I, I do think that's a concern for Kirk Cousins, but uh, they have a reasonable over-under in this game and an implied team total. They're facing... Uh, a Colts defense that was shredded efficiency-wise by Gardner Minshew last week. Uh, Minshew ended with the seventh-highest success rate uh, in the league in Week 1. That's number fires expected points model. So, you know, every throw is either deemed a success or a failure. So it's a binary way of looking at it. But he also had a strong efficiency number with within uh, the, the expected points model. So I, I think Cousins is set up well uh, in this game to be sort of a floor play. I mean, a lot of these guys are kind of just... Hopefully, you know, some they have some touchdown fortune and they can get three touchdowns as opposed mm-hmm. to two. Um, but I think they're all very solid options. Uh, before I get to my last streamer here, uh, we originally were thinking about Gardner Minshew as a streamer for this week. We talked it over a little bit and decided that the, the process says no on Minshew. And, and I think that has to do with the implied total of, I think, 19. Was 16. It, this week? it was like 16. 16. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's horrible. Like it's, it's the lowest in, it's the lowest in the league. Uh, the matchup isn't even that great. And, and like, like, I mean, we love Minshew, obviously. I just, I, I don't think he's going to have games like he had this past no. week, every single week. And, and they weren't nearly as pass heavy as we would want. I, I think that a, a negative game script is likely to happen, but, and more often, but I just, it's, it's a little bit scary to play Minshew this week, I think. So he, so he's not going to complete 95% of his passes every week. That's one thing. Uh, he's not going to have a crazy touchdown rate like he did in, in week one. And the Jags only ran like 45 offensive plays. Yeah, it's just, it's scary. It's a very scary play. Yes. So, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very much off of Minshew. All right, so uh, Tarad. We're calling him Tarot. Uh, I for, I for, I'm never calling him uh, Tarot. I, I, I don't care. I People call me Zacharyson all the time, so whatever. <laughs> this I, is I, your, you're going to take it out on Tarot. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking it out on Taylor. Right, Ty Goat. Ty Goat Taylor. I don't even think I can call him that anymore. It's so bad. But to, uh, do you mean you mean to goat? To goat. <laughs> to goat. Oh, that's so much better. To God. I wish I would have thought of that. Uh, so LA is, is an eight and a half point underdog against Kansas City. Uh, you know, meaning that maybe they won't be able to play that ultra conservative style that they want to and that they played for most of week one. Uh, the Chargers have an implied total of 19, which is ugly. I think that's what I was thinking of when I was talking about Minshew. But uh, it's ugly. So this is not perfect process. And I think that that's why you're probably playing Rivers and, and, and Cousins and Tannehill over to Rod. Um, but, you know, Taylor's rushing side might be sorry. Taylor's rushing upside. Uh, might be able to sort of counteract that. You know, rushing QBs have seen a good amount of rushing opportunity against KC over the past season. Trubisky last year ran six times against KC. Watson ran 10 times last year in their regular season meeting. And then in the season opener last Thursday, he ran six times uh, against the Chiefs. Uh, Lamar Jackson last season against KC ran nine times. Um, and then, you know, just talking about Tarad, he ran six times last week against Cincinnati for almost nothing, by the way. I think it was seven yards. I, I don't understand how that happens. But, uh, you know, I, I think he he could see a boost in, in rushing attempts, and that's what we're looking for to save his day. Let me let me say this about this game. I, I, I personally think that Tyrod, Tyrod is a deep play this week. I would yeah, play sure. all four of the other guys over him, and this, okay. is, this is why. So 
in week one, Cincinnati, uh, they were able to to generate some pressure on on this offense, this Chargers offense. They they ranked like tenth in the league in pressure rate. Okay, that's a little bit scary. Uh, Geno Atkins was not playing too for Cincinnati, um, and Kansas City just brings they, they blitz at such a high rate. And we saw that with Deshaun Watson in week one, Kansas City, the numbers that I'm looking at, Kansas City had a 60% pressure rate in week one, which is almost double the, 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 number, the team that was in second. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm concerned about that. And then on top of that, Kansas City can be, can, can be run on. So we could see a game where like the, the Chargers are doing what they want to hypothetically do um, and, and give the ball to Josh Kelly and, and Austin Eckler on the ground. Um, so I, I think there's some concern there. Um, and then obviously that the total isn't very high, but at the same time, I do think he's a high variance play because things can definitely, you know, he's very mobile. And if he escapes that pressure, mm-hmm. he could, he could have some upside there. Um, and it's a game that they're going to be playing catch up. So they're going to be forced to probably be a little bit more pass heavy than they were last week. Um, so as a result of that, I do think he's fine. I just think he's more of a deeper play. You might disagree. I just think he's more of a deeper play than one of those like rock solid ones. I think anytime the Chargers are in neutral or positive script, it's going to be a problem in fantasy wise for for Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Denny. Let's move on to the tight end position. I'll kick things off with right. Logan, the Goat Thomas. This is probably the last week we can stream him. Honestly. Oh yeah, no, he's going to be unstreamable. It was nice knowing him, and I'm glad that we were first on him. That's all. Yeah, I have look, to say. look. The 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 argument for Logan Thomas this week is that he was top 10 in routes run last week. He did 26% target share. Not a lot of alternatives in the Washington offense. Um, I, I just think he's he's got the potential to be a top 10 tight end this year. And so he was only on 1% of rosters last week. That's going to rise after the waiver wire this week. Um, but he is a streamer right now, so I would be playing Logan Thomas in, in what should be a plus matchup too. Absolutely. Uh, so I have uh, CJ... Uzama, I, I've actually been told that his name is pronounced Uzama. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you know this? I didn't know this I didn't until, know that. until today. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm gonna look. We're gonna look into it. Uh, so coming off a week one performance where he saw uh, five targets, he, that was four catches for 45 yards. Um, he led the Bengals in tight end snaps at 49. He ran 31 routes, and he gets a Browns defense who may be missing their starting safety uh, once again uh, this week. And and we saw what happened with Mark Andrews last week. I, I'm not saying that Zama's used the same way as Mark Andrews. Uh, if only it was that easy. But, uh, you know, that, that does play a factor. And um, the Browns opponents often uh, attacked the Browns defense last year through the tight end. More than 21% of targets against the Browns went to tight ends. In 2019, only nine teams had a higher rate. Uh, the Browns allowed an average of 6.5 targets per game to opposing tight ends, and a tight end scored 10 touchdowns against the Browns last season, which was third highest uh, in the league. Uh, last year, these two teams played Week 17. I, I have no memory of that game, by the way. It must have been horrific. Uh, and Cincinnati tight ends saw 10 total targets against Cleveland in that, in that week 17 matchup. So Uzama has a, has a lock on, you know, that, uh, pass route running tight end role in, in this offense. And it seems like according to the line, you know, Bengals come in as, you know, road underdogs, six point dogs, you know, it, it could be, it could be a pass heavy script. It could be good for Uzama. 
Uh, I'm going to go with sort of a sneaky play this week. I think Uzama's obviously a sneaky play. He's a, a lower lower tier, like higher variance-ish play. I would, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, lock him in. Over, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over, over Kelsey. Yeah, um, I, I think I think Ian Thomas is kind of sneaky this week. So yeah. uh, last week he only had a 6% target share in that offense, which is not great because our only sample size of this like Matt Rule team uh, is is them targeting the wide receivers a lot, not a lot to Ian Thomas, but he he ranks 16th in the in the league in routes run at the tight end position. Uh, they should see a negative game script against Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is coming off a game that saw Jared Cook get about a 24% target share. Jared Cook was heavily utilized in that game. Could have had a, an even bigger game than he did. Um, so I I think with Ian Thomas, you could do a little bit worse. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> thought there was more coming i was like i, was like, I did what? i did too to be honest right right you could do a little bit worse you could do worse yes do we still have that clip we probably do yeah. we probably do okay all right uh lastly wait do you have one more no is it's all it? you this is the this last is it one. This we're, is we're it. saving the, saving the best for last yes it's jimmy graham all right let's go to the questions um, <laughs> all right so so graham had a 19 percent target share last week somehow i don't understand how but that was the seventh uh, highest among all tight ends in week one. Uh, he only caught three of seven targets, but saved his day with that touchdown. He ran 31 routes. Um, you know, the bears for some reason are six point home favorites against the giants this week and have an implied total of uh, 24, you know, so we're looking for pretty decent implied totals when we're talking about streaming tight ends, Jimmy Graham's, I think his uh, yards per, uh, what was it? Yards per reception, I think, was 4.2, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I mean, very low, very low. So, you know, you're hoping for a touchdown. I mean, I guess you could say that same thing about pretty much any streaming tight end, but uh, more so with Graham, I think, than, than others. So we didn't talk about Mitch Trubisky, um, and I, I think that he's borderline, like as a, a borderline deep play, but we want to limit our quarter. Like we're not going to pick a quarter of the, the NFL as our quarterback streamer. So we had to limit it somewhere. Um, but maybe, maybe towards the end of the week, we feel a little bit more bullish about Mitch and we update the Patreon page and we talk about Mitch a little bit. Sure. You never know. You never know. So to recap, we have CJ Uzuma. We have Jimmy Graham, <laughs> <laughs> Ian Thomas, Logan Thomas. Look, the Thomas boys. We have the Thomas boys. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, the Cleveland Browns and Arizona Cardinals, uh, to go to, to, to goat to God, Taylor, <laughs> Philip Rivers, Kirk Cousins, and Ryan, I'm now in an offense that runs a lot of plays. Tannehill. All right, Denny, are you ready for some questions on Twitter? Do you have some questions from Patreon too? I didn't ask you about that. Uh, I don't. I, and I'm sorry. I, I did not put that post up. My Tuesdays are crazy. And, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I just I have that. to I have to post like 15 things. I'm talking mostly to the patrons right now. I hope you forgive me. I posted the podcast last night at 1130, for God's sake. Yeah. At night, at night. The, the life of a fantasy analyst is Monday, mostly Monday through Wednesday for me because oh. it is just horrific. I'm talking, I'm talking like 16 hour days, just, just grinding stuff. And then once Wednesday is done, it's, it's pretty glorious. I feel a lot better. And then once Friday hits, I'm pants off. It's ready. To, we're ready to go. Uh, yeah. It was something that I wasn't quite aware of uh, coming into, uh, you know, full time job in the fantasy industry but you're right i mean monday through wednesday is you are just plugged in your brain is just plugged into the computer and you are churning out content yeah i'm i'm on my computer while i watch monday night games 
because I'm preparing for everything. Like he, here, you want to know something? And this is just a random, a random aside, but okay. you know, we, we talk about random stuff. Yeah, on sure. Here. This isn't that random though. Cause we're talking about our jobs, but uh, I hate, I hate the double Monday night football, like the double headers every, you know, the week one of every season, how they do the double headers. Why do you, why do you hate that? Two reasons. Number one, the people in the most legitimate time zone get screwed. <laughs> Yeah. All right, like, like I, I love, I would love for every Monday night game to start at seven ten, like the Steeler game did last night, and not have a second game. But the second game happens, and I'm in bed at like one thirty, right? Oh. And oh. so the other problem to this, especially in week one, where waiver wires are crazy and yada yada yada, I, I have my fifteen transactions column and podcast edited, done, ready to go. But if something happens in the Monday night game, I have to then go back. And it's not just a written thing for me. So it's even more tilting because I have to re-record stuff, right? Last night, I had a transaction. Let me me just lay this out for you guys. For those of you who listen to the Lay Around podcast, I had two separate transactions for Ad Naheem Hines and by Jonathan Taylor, right? And then James Conner gets hurt because he gets hurt all the time. Mm -hmm. So I had to add a Ad Benny Snell. And so I combined... The Colts transaction. So I had to record a Colts transactions one and then a Benny Snell one after that game was over. And then Corey Davis decides to do something. So I had to add Corey Davis to the column. So I had to add that then too and record that this morning. I mean, it was just a, it was a disaster. That's why I hate the, the doubleheader on Monday nights week one. Yeah, I mean the the start time is apocalyptic for for the yeah. East Coast. I mean, it's it's an attack on East Coast. Especially That's if, you, what it if is. you have if you have children. Yes, it's it's like impossible. Why does Monday Night Football hate families? It, that that's my question. That's you know? I, that's what I was trying to get to. Yeah, we yeah we we have to look into it. I, you know, are they're anti-family? You know, starting games that late. I actually, my dad called me. He was like, uh, "When's the second game start?" I said, "I said ten fifteen. He goes, "No, no, 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 no. When when does it really start?" I said, ten fifteen, Dad. And he was like, "Oh, that's ridiculous. See you later." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just hung up. <laughs> It's just it's a it's borderline absurd, but we're just two dads that uh, need sleep. Exactly. All right, this first one's from at number one Punna. What's the worst way to lose your quarterback kneeling and losing by point zero two, mm. or having their kicker shank three field goals, having you take the lead only to lose it when he finally makes one? I, um, I'm going. I'm going with the QB kneel. I mean, I'm partial to to the, the kicker tilt. Um, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's the kneel. It's the kneel because here's the thing. Uh, you should have never had the chance to win yes. Yes. with the, with the kicker thing. Yes. Okay. So, so you, you got extremely lucky with the three misses, right? Yes. Uh, the kneel, the kneel down stuff is God, that's the worst that's happened to me. So yeah, it's, it's that one. Yeah. Uh, next one at by Corey J Corbin has Craig recovered from drinking all the white Russians <laughs> last year. Is that the true cause of his of his dramatic hair growth? <laughs> yes, yes. I just I just constantly drink uh, white Russians and and the hair grows you know an inch a day. No, it's a very I, strong correlation there. I have yeah scientific scientific take here. Um, yeah, I actually have to start moving my hair off my neck now. Wow. Like I'm, I'm at that point. Um, I put it in a ponytail because it drives me crazy. I, I honestly do. I do, and and one day I'll show it to you. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not prepared to do that. I think the patrons need to see uh, Denny in a ponytail. I think you're right. Oh man. Um. Yeah. It, it, listen, if everybody who listens 
promises to sign up for the Patreon, I, you know, I'll wear a ponytail all day. You know? <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll live stream myself wearing a ponytail all day if that's what it takes. Uh, this next one's at Alex the Thinker. Will Jason Myers be a top five kicker if they keep letting Russ cook? I mean, Butker slash Tucker, etc., all play for elite passing offenses, and passing yards are posi- positively correlated with kicker performance. If this happens, I will apologize to Denny for making fun of his kicker process. Uh, your favorite kicker analyst has told you that if Russ cooked this year, Jason Myers would be not just a thing in fantasy, but an elite top-end kicker. He would get so many attempts in that offense and it appears that it's happening. And uh, yeah, no, if you have Jason Myers, you're, you're rolling with him from here. Next question at Charles Sword underscore sword. By the way, we didn't talk about this, but Denny beat me in the listener league in week one. Oh, uh, I, I was tilting, man. God, it was a it was it was a battle. Um, We I had Deontay going last night, who was who, he, it's, speaking of an apocalypse. That oh. first half was horrible for him. But the second half, he came through. He, he looked he looked fine. Ten uh, targets. Ten targets. Yeah, he, he led. Yeah, he had a high target share. But Denny had Mike Evans, and I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, I'm I have the lead. Like I'm probably gonna win, or or like I was a decent favorite at the time. And then Mike Evans gets that like one yard touchdown. Yeah. And it just from there, it just went downhill. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was getting I thought I was getting a, a goose egg, but I had I had nobody else, nobody else to play. Um, I I, w- I was looking for people on the waiver wire, it was like you know, because I'm thinking Evans is, is going to be limited. Uh, he got those two pass interference calls, so I'm like, okay, maybe he'll get something. And then it was only at the last second. But yeah, good game, yeah. buddy. Good game. Denny won, but I'm going to win the title. Uh, this is from at Charles underscore Sword. Do you prefer Hilton's or Marriott's? When I first read this question, I thought to myself, is he talking about T.Y. Hilton? Uh, by Hilton's, I mean an aging deep threat receiver with a noodle-armed QB. And by Marriott's, I mean any waiver wire free agent drinking at the lobby bar alone. I actually Wait. didn't read. I actually didn't even read the rest of this question. I thought this was going to be a hotel question. And then I was just going to talk about how I'm not brand loyal to hotels. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, well, wait, wait a second. I mean, are we we're giving up on T.Y. Hilton? After, no, after one we should week. we shouldn't be giving up on T.Y. Hilton. I, I mean, you you have. I mean, Rivers is going to be slinging it downfield to him all season. Relax, he'll be fine. Yeah, re- relax with T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton's fine, but also I, I don't stay at hotels very much anymore. Yeah, me neither. Uh, next one is from at I, I can't even remotely say, <laughs> say this one, so I'm just going to read the question. How should one gauge DeAndre Swift's outlook? I remember JJ being high on him as a prospect. Is it an opportunity to buy low? Look, I, I wasn't as high as others actually on him as a prospect because uh, some were like had him at RB1 um, and they thought that he was going to be a first round pick. Uh, so I, I had him pre-draft, I think, at RB5. Uh, so I was a little bit lower than consensus, actually, but I still think he was good. I still think he's good. Mm. Uh, if there's one thing to take away in that game is that he led the team in snaps uh, and he saw a 12.2% target share. So the, the Adrian Peterson stuff was really frustrating. He actually, it's going to be on my 10 trends show that's dropping tomorrow, but Adrian Peterson had the highest utilization rate in the NFL this past week. So the amount of, of rush attempts and targets that he got per snap was highest among like how insanely annoying and ridiculous is this guy? It's so annoying. It's so I hate annoying. It. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's worse than Frank Gore. Uh, I mean, th- this guy just waltzes into NFL teams, and they're like, "Okay, centerpiece of our offense, <laughs> yeah. hit the field, buddy. You're you're getting 18 carries." I mean, he's with the Lions for 15 minutes. 
They go through a whole training camp with Swift and carry on Johnson. And then he comes in and they're like, move aside. We got our guy, 38 year old. Right. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, I just don't, this happens every year. It, it's really bizarre. It's crazy. I do think that they're going to have a committee. I don't know if it's a buy low opportunity, but I would hold Deandre Swift. Next one at white wheat tweet better to ride with Logan Thomas or Irv Smith rest of season. Uh, Logan Thomas. Uh, I think we already talked about Irv. He's basically, I mean, oh. he, the, the, I, the, the reason I was into Irv was because I was hoping there would be an increase in the way they used him or a difference in the way. Nope. Didn't happen. No, no. And the Vikings are trash. So yeah, I, I can't stand the Vikings. They're, they're one of the most tilting teams on, on this planet. Next question. Okay. At Jay Marshall. Uh, it sounds like I'm saying Marshall, but it's, it's, it, it, it's actually in a Boston Marshall. accent. In a yeah. Boston accent. Yeah. yeah. Marshall. Uh, my wife walks by the coffee pot at least twice every morning. When I come inside after taking the dog out, she asks me to get her a cup of coffee. Should I divorce her? No, this is a power move. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely, this is definitely a power move. Okay. She, she's saying, she's saying we both know that I could have got my own coffee at least once, maybe twice. I didn't. Now I'm saying you get me the coffee. That's, that's a power move. I, I have to respect it. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't hate on it. I can't hate on it. So either. I have, okay, I have an issue with with my wife with with coffee, and, and it's this: um, she will never, ever, ever make the coffee before she goes upstairs to bed. She goes to bed earlier than I did, right? Uh, and but she expects it to be ready in the morning, and if it's not, there's a problem. And that's that's like that's very it's been made very clear. There's going to be a problem if I if I don't have the coffee ready. Sometimes I forget. And my reaction is, why don't you do it? And that's that doesn't work out for me. It doesn't. That's it not doesn't, the good. That, you can't the, you can't you cannot say that. No, that's you the can't wrong say that. reaction, it turns out. And yeah. and so now I, I've had to over the past few months had to really integrate that into my nighttime routine is making the damn coffee, which honestly I hate. Here's the trick, though, and in, in those kind of predicaments with your significant other that I've found to be helpful is instead of saying something like, why can't you do it? And that's and because when you say that, Denny, I guarantee you it's happening in the morning when there's no coffee and she's mm-hmm. wondering why there's no coffee. Right. right? Yes. What you need to do is have the conversation with her about this in the middle of the afternoon at a time where where no one's expecting coffee. It's not even top of mind from a conversation standpoint. You bring it up and you say, hey, look, you know, I don't want to run into this issue every morning. Why don't you make the coffee before you go to bed every night and get it ready? And then you'll have it the next morning. And then that way, I don't feel this pressure to, right. to, to have to to have it ready. I, so here's the thing. Her her parents were big on having the coffee like ready at five in the morning because they, they, they're just really early risers. And her dad would always make the coffee always no matter what okay and so i think i'm supposed to take that role i don't know i i we we come from different coffee cultures okay my call my my family never drank coffee my mom and dad never drank coffee never made it i never saw how to make it when i got married and and moved out of my mom's basement and and to live with melissa uh we got a, a coffee machine for our wedding and melissa had to show me how to use it i'd never used one yeah yeah, I mean, look, I, I I was not a coffee house, not in a coffee house growing up either. My wife wasn't either, but oh, okay. she's the coffee. I as as all of you guys know, I can't slash don't drink coffee anymore. Right. But 
but uh, my wife does. But I, so I don't have to worry about this conversation. But back in the day, I was a I was a heavy coffee guy. You I mean, were. I, 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 I love me some coffee. I remember you. I remember you being heavy into coffee. Yeah, yeah. Back back in the day when when I was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next question is from at ff underscore ceo. Uh, could Austin Eckler beat Jonathan Taylor at cornhole, or is he worse <laughs> at every sport known to man? <laughs> It is. It is hilarious. Like, so I I sent the tweet out that said that I would take Jonathan Taylor over Austin Eckler, and someone said I can't. It was some snarky response, like you have ninety four thousand followers for for this garbage or something like that. We, like he called you. No, a moron. He, called, he called me a moron, right? Because I said if it's moronic to to think that a guy behind a great offensive line, one of the best prospects of the last decade, uh, with a quarterback who dumps the ball off and targets his running backs, is better mm-hmm. than a guy in a Tyrod Taylor led offense. And yeah, I guess I'm a moron. Yeah, but, I can't. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just more. Jonathan Taylor and log out, guys. Uh, next question at Dota Veteran: Thoughts on artificial crowd noise? How would you improve it other than making every sound a disapproving dad grunt or mumble from the recliner on Sunday? So, uh, as an NBA thought leader, I watched a lot of NBA before the NFL started. Since the NFL started, I have not watched much. They seem to improve it. They seem to adjust the crowd noise accordingly to what was happening on the court at the time um so it would actually you know you would you would pick up things a missed free throw you would hear kind of a a disappointed groan from from the crowd just just like you would in 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 an actual stadium if we're ever allowed to have people in stadiums again and um i think that they need to adjust that because there were sometimes where in the in the washington game where a player would get hurt and the crowd the crowd noise would would go up yeah it would it, increase yeah it was it it was really bad at least i thought so i, I sent a tweet out uh last night that said i i think the guy who's controlling the crowd noise is hammered because <laughs> it, it legitimately like james washington caught a pass and there was no reaction for like six seconds and right. then he like gets tackled or whatever and like like it, it was just, it, it's like a, yeah. a it, it was a negative reaction because it was in new york and the reaction didn't happen until like he got tackled, which then didn't make any sense. Like I know the Steelers fans travel and stuff, but uh, it, it was it was a very yeah. odd experience. And I just I don't know. I I found I, I I at first enjoyed it because watching the game, if you are not consciously thinking about the fact that we're in a pandemic and people are dying, uh, it's it's actually that was, that was kind of deep and dark. That was dark. It's kind of it, it's it's kind of easy to get lost and not even realize that the stadiums are empty because you're not seeing the crowd unless there's a kickoff or a field goal. That's right. It, it feels it feels strange, honestly, it, seeing a completely empty stadium. It just feels I, I don't want to say wrong, but just off. It just it feels off. I, I would say I, I heard some coaches saying Bruce Arians was saying he was disappointed by how uh, low the noise was. You know how yeah. he he wants it higher he's uh it, it was either him or sean sean payton who said it was like a a crowded dinner party and yeah. and uh they so they they need to like take the limit off of the um the the crowd noise that the 70 decibel limit and and allow teams to jack it up to high heaven i'm a libertarian when it comes to this uh crowd noise <laughs> Yeah, just just let them blow the blow the speakers out. You just hear this giant boom from one of the stadiums. Listen, give everybody in the stadium hearing damage, permanent hearing damage, and then you've done you've done a good job, I think. Yeah, they go to the post game presser, and Ben Roethlisberger standing there, just go, what, What? huh, huh? (laughs) But yeah, like like my my thing is, 
like I, I want to give the players all the props in the world right now. Not that anyone is actually listening to the show that, that is a player, but I, I give players all the props in the world because to us, the product is not that off. Like it's not that, that different mm-hmm. in my opinion, but to them, it has to be remarkably different. Oh, and yeah. so they're the ones that are taking the, the brunt of this like difference and in, in lack of crowd and stuff. Um, and, and I at least want to give them that love. I mean, I, I think that like they're the ones that are allowing us to enjoy all of this right now. Right. And True. so I, I think that that needs to at least be shouted out. Not that I'm like, like I, I need love from players. I just want to be real with like, that's the way that I feel about the situation. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's worth saying. I, I do like how, it seems like celebrations are more team focused and like uh, players look instead to the instead of going to the crowd and getting the crowd all hyped up, they they turn to each other and yeah. to, to celebrate. It seems like there's like more camaraderie in, in, in that um, yeah. inter- interaction. What I what I like about it too is that there is still like hostility in these games. Like there's yeah. still like people throwing punches and get that that just shows you how competitive and out of the out of their minds these players are. But also the fact that like it's it's great that 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 we know moving forward that competitive spirit is still there. And I do think look, I, I do think eventually with the way that like the coronavirus has gone within the country and like we we just know so much more about this and we know that that masks are helping and et cetera, et cetera. I'm not trying to get political here, guys. This is a freaking virus. Okay. And so, but what I'm saying is I think we're, we are going to see more situations like what we saw in Kansas city and Jacksonville. We're going to see more stadiums opening up to 20,000 fans. And I think that's going to make somewhat of a difference in in normalizing this a little bit. Okay. Okay. JJ Stalin, go ahead. What's what's, what's the next uh, question? Uh, This next one is from at straight Jake nine, five, one. Leslie Nielsen or Mel Brooks? I I I got this. We, we got this question, and I just wanted to respond with "Okay, Boomer." Yeah. Like, what what, what is okay. this question? Okay, okay. So I I can I think I can answer this uh, because Leslie Leslie Nielsen made that '90s comeback where he was relevant in a bunch of dumbass comedies. Yeah, um, sure. The the spoofs, the the Naked Gun, there and there were some others. And I, as a kid, I loved those. Like I, I was really into those. I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Mel Brooks was never relevant to me ever because ever. first of all, I was born in 1983 and Mel Brooks has not been relevant since before 1983 yeah. and he never made a comeback. He never did anything in my lifetime that was, that, that caught my, or was catered to me, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So Leslie Nielsen made these big, dumb nineties comedies that appealed to child me and and i didn't even know who mel brooks was until like 15 years ago so yeah no i feel you i'm, I'm in total agreement uh we have one more question this is from at eric belair is there anything worse than going apple picking you're literally paying no. someone to do the work to do the work for them I, i've never gone apple picking I, i've never done it and i don't plan on doing it. that's the most basic fall activity that you could that could, you could do and, and i'm leaving out a word and i and i will say please cover the kids ears that's the most basic bitch fall activity that you could do i'm sorry it, it is I, look i don't mind going to like a pumpkin farm and like a like a place where you can yeah. get like cider and like you know there's like stuff for kids to do and, and whatnot i can't ima- i cannot fathom going apple picking i i cannot 
I can't even remotely comprehend it. Do you do you think you are required to wear at least two scarves while apple picking? <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. I just I just picture I just, this is what I, I I just picture you know a couple going scarves everywhere, fancy little autumn hats. Uh, yeah. You have your 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 coffee. You have your pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, qu- quarter zip. You're wearing yeah. a quarter zip with, with yes. dark with dark jeans and like brown shoes. Yeah. The ex- yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was some boots that look like you'd be riding a damn horse or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And 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 that's how you apple pick. You can't apple pick in any other. <laughs> you can't. And you gotta. You you're doing it. You're doing it for the gram mostly. Oh. Oh yes. hundred oh, percent. Yeah. You got to get the perfect shot of. Of you actually becoming one with autumn. Yeah, that, that's the only reason people go apple picking. Can we just be honest right now? No one, no one is enjoying the no activity of it. apple picking. You're no doing it so you can get a picture in a in a cool environment that you can post on social media. Right. You want to feel better about yourself, and you know, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay, I will say this: if you're drunk apple picking, maybe that's fun. I have no idea about that. I would be more into that. I would be more uh, accepting of of having to, you know, to seed to to the desire maybe for my wife or something if i was tipsy have you done have you gone apple picking i have not okay like like do you go how many apples do you pick like how, are you are you getting like 30 i don't know i i don't know like what what are you what are you what are you are you keeping all of them are you giving them back to the 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 people who own the orchard do you eat them do you eat them? Do you do you go apple picking and consume twenty seven different apples, and then you're bloated the rest of the day? Because that sounds even more miserable. I mean, how, so yeah, I mean, if you, if you pick twenty apples, uh, you know, fourteen of them are going to go bad. Because I mean, how many how many are you eating? You're eating yeah, one like a day. How, you can't go through that many. Yeah, I mean, you can maybe eat eat two of them a day, maybe. That's, that's like a, I'm, a, that's, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a banana guy. I can eat two bananas in a day easily. No, I mean you eat more bananas than donkey kong so yeah right right but i just i cannot someone who has gone apple picking please you know leave us leave us some some mentions and let us know about your experience yeah maybe maybe a cool pick from from the gram yeah that'd be that'd be very very helpful and please please uh let us let us at least see what you're wearing in that picture all right denny that's gonna do it for today's show why don't you let everyone know where they can find you yeah at cd carter 13 on twitter I, I do work for Roto World now, so you can check out really? my work. Yeah, no, I mean, I always forget to mention that, but yeah, uh, and so you can check out my my work there and uh, become a patron, get access to a bunch of cool hashtag stuff. I'm on Twitter at late round QB. Uh, I, please don't send me garbage on Twitter. I'm so sick of <laughs> I'm so sick of garbage <laughs> tweets on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at late round QB. You can follow my work over on Number Fire and then my other podcast, the Late Round Podcast, which you can find anywhere podcasts can be found. Denny, we have a tilt montage this week, don't we? Oh yeah, we do. It's it's very tilty. I I was in a, a dark place for most of Sunday. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will catch you next week. It's uh one forty two PM in the only legitimate time zone, the Eastern time zone, and I uh, I'm already at the point uh, where I am constantly refreshing my browser because it just doesn't seem possible that the scores can stay this stagnant for this long. And by scores, of course, I mean the scores of my fantasy players. So I'm already at that point. We're about 40 minutes into the regular season, and I am just bang, 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 
refresh, refresh. There's got to be something wrong. There's got to be. Are they, have the games been delayed? Is the is my internet down? You know, I, I I called Verizon. We just we just switched over to Verizon. Living the stream, of course, is now sponsored by Verizon. I, I wish, uh, but I called. You know, is is there something wrong? Is there an outage, perhaps, because my my fantasy scores won't update? But it, it just seems that you know, the issue is that um, my players are not scoring. So I'm tilting. Uh, Derek Carr on third and goal from the two-yard line does the most Derek Carr thing possible and rolls out on the short side of the field and throws it to Jason Witten at the one. You won't believe this, but Witten Witten was not able to evade the tackler and had to go out of bounds at the one-yard line. The Raiders then, you know, absolutely ruined the Liberals by kicking a field goal at the one yard line. So congratulations for the, you know, that huge victory for, for the right wing, uh, kicking a field goal from the one, because as we know, uh, you know, to own the libs, one must first own oneself. I'm tilting. Uh, so uh, trying to stack, you know, every possible option with Derek Carr this week for DFS purposes and also some seasonal leagues. You know, I, you know Henry Ruggs. Uh, we want Brian Edwards. We want uh, Darren Waller. Uh, uh, even Josh Jacobs on the off chance that he catches a, a pass or three. And um, it turns out uh, Nelson Aguilar was the correct answer to the question of who, whomst to stack with Derek Carr. Uh, I've uh, never been more upset about anything in my entire life. And I, I am tilting. LaVisca Chanel season! So Cam Newton just ran in his second rushing touchdown of the game against Miami, and it's pretty much exactly what the best-case scenario would be for Cam Newton and the reason that he was by far and away clearly the late round quarterback for the year of our Lord 2020. Sorry to get religious, but the Patriots said we, we believe he can do what he did in 2017, which was really the last time he, he ran a bunch. He ran 130 times or so that, that season. So you're getting a, a quarterback who's going to run 130 times in like the 11th round of your 12-team league, that's, you know, that's uh, a yes-please situation. That's a that's an easy one. Seems easy. Almost as easy, not quite as easy, but almost as easy as Lamar Jackson last year. So if you got Cam, you're, you're I mean, you have an every-week starter, but you already knew that. You could have a top three overall quarterback. Easy game. Uh, I'm actually not tilting. So far, Boston Scott season is not as exciting as I imagined it would be. Uh, the Eagles offensive line, of course, is missing Lane Johnson. The Washington defensive line is probably the strength of their team. So it makes sense. It makes sense. And I, and I want to apologize for the, the real football talk that I just did. <clears throat> I've absorbed 
real football knowledge whilst working for Roto World. And I'm not sure if I've mentioned that, but I do now work for Roto World. And, and so I've absorbed some of that knowledge. So I, I know things about actual football rather than just strictly in a fantasy sense. But anyway, Boston Scott has like five fantasy points, a bunch of touches, uh, but, uh, you know, nothing is nothing is happening per se. Uh, I will say on the other side of the ball, Antonio Gibson is like this close from having a huge play and becoming like the dude for Washington. You can just, you can just tell, you can feel it. And with Living the Stream, we base, you know, our picks and our, and our process on feel. You know, what's in our gut is always the, the, the central question that we, we address. And uh, in my gut, uh, Antonio Gibson is really close to uh, being a big-time player. And if he's not, I, I will be tilting. I just want everyone to know quickly here that I did indeed bench Cam Newton against my lovely, lovely co-host, JJQ Zacharyson the ninth. I instead went with a low-T play of Matt Ryan. And, of course, Cam Newton is probably going to end up as the QB1 overall this week, and Matt Ryan will, you know, be maybe inside the top 20, unless something changes drastically here in the late third quarter. I don't really understand why I did that in hindsight. I mean, I have the, the Falcons stack with, uh, you know, Julio, Matt Ryan, and, and Hayden Hurst. I I was, you know, kind of thinking that the Seattle-Atlanta game would be high scoring, but uh, it is not so far. So um, I am therefore tilting. I'd like to quickly congratulate uh, Lord Reeves, otherwise known as Rich Rebar. You may know him from such things as Twitter and also the ESPN pregame fantasy show. I believe it's called Fantasy Now. Uh, where Rich got a shout-out. Anyway, the most important thing about Rich today is that he played the Washington defense against me in the Apex Fantasy Writers League. The Washington defense now has 15 fantasy points, including eight sacks, one fumble recovery, and two interceptions. It really should be about four interceptions. Uh, I was... uh, happy about Rich playing the football team's defense against me early on as Carson Wentz picked apart that defense. Um, And it turns out that didn't last very long after they, the Eagles suffered a few key injuries, including at least one to a starting offensive lineman after losing Lane Johnson. So it's, it's, it it looks like a good pick from, from Lloyd Reeves. And honestly, I'm, I'm not upset. Not, I'm not mad. Uh, I'm not resentful. So uh, that's the most important thing going forward, is that I'm in a good mental space after getting pwned by the Washington defense. I'm tilting. So we have uh, Raheem Mostert going crazy in the, the uh, 4 o'clock games here. Uh, had a long catch and run early in the game, had some other long-ish runs operating as the goal line back for the Niners. I, I did feel like the the fantasy industry, and, and you know, 
I don't know if I was super vocal about this. In fact, I know I wasn't, and I probably should have been. I feel like the industry as a whole got a little bit too down about Mostert. And as a zero RB truther, as a pure ideological zero RB drafter, I enjoyed that because, you know, he, he was dropping into the sixth round, sometimes the seventh round in 12-team leagues. And uh, I just didn't see any reason not to take him there. I mean, we, we all know that Kyle Shanahan is like the number one lib owner on earth. Like he wants to run a, a super high T offense. And so you're going to probably want the guy getting the early down carries for that kind of offense and that kind of coach. I, I just, you know, just my thinking. I ended up with him on a few teams talking about Mostert. I'm looking forward to Tevin Coleman emerging as the overall RB1 later this season. I'm tilting. Tom Brady was a downgrade to Jameis Winston, and I will never, ever take that back. I'm tilting. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the team.